0: big one, isn't it? I've spent my life kind of running from that. Uh, I grew up in, uh, in, a, in a church, not unlike her, her church, um, situations like that. I remember I had a hero, uh, a guy by the name of Walt, my dad was in the Air Force, uh, so I grew up as a military dependent uh, my entire life, and Walt was in the Navy, so we always had this... Uh, thing you know between the certain branches of services you know it's just a little fun thing and uh, I, I remember Walt uh, was one of these guys who would always um, when you ask him how are you doing Walt uh, he would tell you I mean someone asked me that this morning early and and, and I, when they they asked it to me I thought I wonder if I should go all Walt on them, <laughs> because our normal reaction is what? Fine, good, good. you yeah. know. But it's like, <laughs> you know, that that's not the the truth. That's not what's going on inside me. Uh, is it? Is it all good? I mean, I'm breathing, you know. I'm I'm clothed and in my right mind, so I'm I'm, you know, it's okay. But but is it all good, really? Is it? Because Walt would tell you exactly what was going on with him. I mean, he would just unload. And, and I remember watching adults who would feel captive to Walt when he would start talking about his life and what was going on, and, and, and people would, would just fidget, you know, and and you could tell by their body language, they were looking for one little clue, one moment, one breath, one space to be able to be, I'm out of here. Oh, sorry, i got to go. You know, And they're gone. Um, and, and he's just a little different kind of guy. But, but I remember he was a hero to me as a kid. I thought, why don't people care about people like that? I mean, why don't people, when you ask a question, why don't you give it? And I think um, it became um, a real anthem in my life of wanting to be in a space where authenticity was valued. Because the history of religious people has, has not been one of having a love affair with authenticity. Just, just hasn't been that way, and we've seen a lot over time. Maybe you've experienced a lot, and there's, the, you know, that's true. And the fact is, is that, you know, this idea of religion, um, it, it tends to be in our minds, maybe, at least in my mind, tends to be sort of pigeonholed on the right hand side of of things like politics and theology and that kind of stuff. But it's, it's kind of today become. Uh, there's a religion on the left as well. And if you don't abide by all of the stuff that they want, then boom, you're canceled. And, and, and it seems like the disease has jumped the aisle. And, and, and we got this addiction to judgment on both sides. So what is religion? I mean, what, what is it? Um, the Apostle Paul... He's writing the book of Galatians. And you, all, you all got your little book. And it, you know, if, if you want to use them every week, we didn't buy enough for you to get one every new one every week. You know? so, so if you wouldn't mind putting your name in it, if you want to keep it and bring it back. So they look amazingly similar to one another. Um, so if you leave it here, um, someone like this one here I picked up on the back table this morning... Uh, had a pen in it. I'm sure you left it. You can come claim it if it's yours. Um, let, me, let me just make sure there's no name in here. Knows no name no... But Paul's writing in the book of Galatians, and he's got a religious problem. And, and Paul personally had a religious problem because he was a Jew. He grew up as a young Jewish boy, went through all the Jewish rituals, ultimately became a rabbi. He was a leader in the Jewish religion. And he met Jesus. He had this miraculous moment where he met Jesus face to face. And it changed his life. And so he, he moved out of the Jewish religion to, to something different. And as he's writing in chapter 2 of, of the book of Galatians, uh, Paul went for 14 years kind of into a training period, uh, a, a time to just um, be, not be the... He was a Christian killer, well-known, rock star-type Jewish guy, Christian killer, and then all of a sudden met Jesus, and and he went underground. Maybe rightly so, because a guy who's known as a Christian killer is probably not going to really have a great uh, public uh, type of opportunity telling people to start to love Jesus because he used to be killing them. And you're wondering, I mean, is this like bait and switch? Just a mouse trap, you know. If I take the cheese, boom, he's going to kill me. And so he had, a, he had a little problem, and and so he was he was underground for quite a while. So when he comes up out of uh, the underground in Galatians chapter two, uh, he, he goes up to Jerusalem. He goes to meet the current leaders of the movement that Jesus left behind, and as he goes, uh, he he has this moment with them in the first half of the second chapter of Galatians where they kind of say, hey, we are talking about the same thing. This message that you are sharing with people about Jesus is the same message that we're sharing with Jesus. We lived with Jesus for three years. You only saw him once in a miraculous movement, in a miraculous encounter. And so Paul needed the certification of these guys in Jerusalem to say, "Hey, we're we're talking the same thing here," and he got that, and he shares about that in Galatians chapter two as he goes up and and he reacts or or, or engages with uh, with Peter, uh, but then then he tells a story. He tells a story about hypocrisy. So when Peter came to where. Paul was, Peter had this moment of massive hypocrisy. So, Peter was focusing on taking this message of Jesus to the Jewish people. Paul was focusing on taking it to the Gentiles. And and really, in that day, it was like there were two types of of ethnic groups. There were Jews and Gentiles. And, And Gentiles were basically everybody else that wasn't a Jew, and, and, and the Jews didn't think kindly of them, of us. Maybe you've got some Jewish heritage, heritage in you, so you can be self-righteous over in the Jew side, all right? So, um, and, and, you know, we, we all might, but, but on, on the Gentile side, oftentimes the word Gentile was, was translated dogs. So, Jews and dogs. <laughs> now, some of you like dogs, right? Yeah. For me, it'd be Jews and cats. Um <laughs> I don't like cats. Um, It's just a a, a way of of dividing things up and and judging people. And so when Peter gets to uh, Paul's space and and he's in the Gentile sector of things uh, and and some some fellow Jews come to where they are, Peter changes his behavior. It's kind of like, you know, the Jews, I'm making this up, all right? I'm making this up. If you're online, don't, don't tweet this right now. I'm making all this up, right? So it's like, like, like Peter came from a, a sect of Jews that didn't drink beer, all right? And so he's up with the Gentiles, and he realizes that they don't care about whether you drink beer or not. So he's having a beer with the boys and the Gentiles, and some of the Jew guys come up to, to be around him. And, and these Jews come up. To be around him and and Peter's got the beer. And he, tch- <laughs> yeah, I've, I've told the story before, but one time I was driving on Kansas Avenue. He came up to the stoplight at one fifty-two and two ninety-one, and I looked next door to me, in a pickup truck. I'm you know I'm just driving my little you know, Rav Four. You know I'm minding my own business. You know bebopping into the music or something. And, and I look sideways and and there's a a, a Shoal Creeker over there. And uh, I think mean, oh that's cool and so I, I i i happened to see that he had just <laughs> and and when he turned sideways and saw me <laughs> he couldn't wait for the light to change <gasps> it was i wish i had my i, I had my phone up cuz you could see the the, the, the The smoke began to come out of his nostrils. You know, so (laughs) holding his breath as long as he could, (laughs) because he was afraid that I was gonna, you know, judge him for smoking. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, I had a cigar last night on my deck. What's the big deal? You know, Um, it's that kind of thing. And and so Peter, when he he's seen doing things that that the Jewish religion doesn't do with the Gentiles, Peter removes himself and Paul chastises him. Paul takes him to task for being a hypocrite in this process. And as a result, Peter learns a lesson about freedom. And learns a lesson about this idea of religion. This this idea that both Peter and Paul have have come to see that that there is a a new way. God has invaded earth. And by this time, he had lived and he had died and he had risen from the dead. And so this, this new way of relating to God was released in humankind. And the opportunity... The opportunity for people to feel the sense of being connected with God was radically different. Because before that, it was all about religion. You know, religion is this idea of of this concept of um, a set of rules and a set of rituals that that people follow. You, You do this and you don't do that, set of rules. And then also, a set of rituals. You come to places on a regular basis, and you do certain things in those spaces. And as long as you follow the rules and are involved in the rituals, then you are in good standing with whatever, however you describe the universe. And Jesus comes along and turns Peter and Paul's little apple carts upside down, spills everything out on the ground, and reassembles the ideas that they had about relating to a God in heaven. And so they they discovered that it wasn't about religion, it wasn't about rules, and it wasn't about rituals. It was about relationship it was about this idea that god was interested in building a family he had been about building a family from the book of genesis all the way through and they began to see the outworking of that in relationship to jesus peter saw it the the morning that peter was encountered by the resurrected Jesus, the, the Jesus that he had betrayed, the Jesus that he had told people, I don't even know the guy. Spent a year and a half with him, like on a massive camping trip with Jesus. And then when confronted by um, an innocent little girl, not a, someone, not a soldier, not, a, not a, you know, a, a religious official, not a, a, a political official, not a, a, a military official, but just just a little waitress. I mean, and, and, and she just said, weren't, weren't you one of his? But Peter's like, I didn't even know the guy. Never seen him. Never seen him. Jesus, at his, at his hour of weakness, when, when everyone had abandoned him, and all of the military and religious authorities had come upon him to, to extinguish his life, When he most needed his friends, when he most needed the people that he had invested in, that he had done life with, Peter betrayed him. And then we see this beautiful passage at the end of of the stories of Jesus' life. When Jesus comes and Peter's out fishing and he gets out of the boat and he gets to the shore and Jesus is there and he's made breakfast. Jesus allows Peter to experience something that that most of us don't experience if we are going to follow Jesus and think of it as a religion. Because it's at this point that Peter experiences a relationship, he experiences forgiveness. He looks into the eyes of the man who he had betrayed. who When he needed him the most, Peter was least available to him. And Jesus restores their relationship. You see, that's that's what Jesus came to do. Is is to build this sense of, not religion, not a set of rules and rituals, but a relationship. This idea that you and I could relate to the creator God of the universe as his child, as someone he loves. I love that video we showed at the very beginning, Uh, not the beginning, but maybe the second one. Not the the one where she throws the Bible, but the second one. Uh, and, And there's a little piece in there where he talks about himself and his hypocrisy. And he talks about God looked down and said, I want that man. I want that man. That's so what God's done and doing with each one of us. He, he, wants, he wants you to be free from religion. Free to be who he created you to be. But, you know, there's a, there's a real... Um, problem that many of us have when we when we get into these this balance thing. You know, we, we, we experience it today. It's like there's no balance in our world. There's no centeredness. I mean it's like, you know, you either hate like someone or hate someone. You know, it's like there's no 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 place in the middle. There's a couple of guys who did some research and discovered that there's this thing called Dunning Kruger syndrome. I like to think of it as a disease, really. And it's really pretty simple. They did a lot of fancy research, but it's pretty simple. It's like what you don't know that you don't know can hurt you the most. What you don't know that you don't know is really dangerous in your life. And, um, you know, it's easy around this word... We're talking about here in terms of religion and relationship. It's easy around this word gospel. Because that's what Paul's talking about in the second chapter of Galatians. He's talking about having the right gospel. He wants to make sure he goes to Jerusalem and he says, you know, wants to make sure, do I have it right? Do I have it from, straight from Jesus's mouth? Do I have what you got from Jesus? He wants to make sure it's right. and And sometimes... We think about that word, and it's it's a it's a, a, a word that's used a lot. You know, it's used in a religious sense, and it's it's you know it's also used in all kinds of other senses as well. You know, I mean, we think about it is the the Holy Ghost, the truth, but it, it, it's a little bit like Inigo Enigo Montoya. I can't even pronounce that first name. Yeah. you know who who he is, all right? Princess Bride. How many of you have never seen Princess Bride? Oh my gosh! Let's pray. <laughs> yeah. So he says this uh, th- this word. He says, you know, um, he says, you keep using that word, but I don't think it means what you think it means. And he says that a few times in the movie. Yeah. it's one of those famous quotes. I don't think it means what you think it means. And and sometimes for many of us, we use the word gospel and and we think about it. Unfortunately, as it. As if it means the minimum entrance requirement to heaven. That's what the gospel is. The minimum entrance requirement to heaven. Now, I I would challenge you. You know, I'm always up here. One of the most used phrases I have here is, you know, get your fingerprints on the Bible. You've heard that, you know, half a billion times from me. uh, Because I, I think if you do get your fingerprints on the Bible, if you read the Bible for yourself, It will make massive difference in your life. Because over here on this side, relationship, relationship is about talking and listening. And if you're going to build a relationship with God, you're going to have to talk to him. You're going to have to share your complete heart with him on a repeated, regular basis. And you're going to have to listen and he's spoken a lot here and when you hear from him and you're talking to him that relationship grows and it grows in a a relationship of trust because that's what relationships are all about the idea of building trust becoming known and building trust not rules and rituals but becoming known and, and building trust but, but oftentimes, if I challenge you to go find the word gospel in the Bible, you're going to find it in the, you know, the first four books of the Bible first, you know, or first four books, of the second half of the Bible first. If you find it there, you're going to discover Jesus in his understanding of what he talked about. And you're going to find this word kingdom related to that word on a regular basis. Gospel of the Kingdom, Gospel of the Kingdom. Kingdom is near. That, that's, that, was, that has something to do with what Jesus used to define this word good news. Good news. And the good news is is that you and I no longer have to suffer under the ritual and the rules because we become related. To a father in heaven. And Jesus says it so clearly to um, his followers in John 1:12. He says, you know, to those who begin trusting in him, he gave the right to become the children of God. So that, that idea of, of, of learning, building relationship, trust, hear, hear, talk, listen. And, and learn to do what our Father says because he's smarter than we are. He's a designer of life. On one side, on the religion side, I, I, I do because I have to. On the relationship side, I do because I want to. On the religion side, I'm trying to earn someone's favor. I'm trying to, to clean myself up so I can be presentable to God. Now I know that uh, this will be an offense to some of you, but, but, but I would say that none of you are really good cleaners. Now you know I know you're going to tell you come look at my house. I got the cleanest toilet in town. Oh, good for you. Yeah, come to my house. Help me out. (laughs) But we're not good cleaners. You can clean your house. You can clean your car. You know, you can clean your yard. You can clean, but yourself, you're not a good cleaner. You can't clean yourself. You don't have the capacity. And if you struggle with that, that's why you're locked on the religion side. That's why you're locked into rules and, and rituals, and you're trying to to find your way onto that ladder or find your way onto that treadmill and trying to get it going fast so you can you can get cleaner and and present something that's very presentable to your father. You aren't presentable to your father. You're just not. And that's why on the relationship side, it's about done. Jesus did it on a cross. The shame that you feel right now for, for the acts that, that came into your life, the thoughts that came into your life this week, the shame that you feel are, sh- are, are, are thoughts of religion. Religion. And Jesus gave us a, a beautiful way to deal with those things. He said, just confess. Just say it out loud. Just to sort of say it. In fact, in the book of James, Jesus' brother's writing there, and, and he says, so just say it to one another. Because there are two things that you desperately need to succeed on this relationship side you need two types of relationships, you need a vertical relationship growing relationship with your father and you need a horizontal relationship with other people who are in the same struggle you can't do without either one of those if you don't have both of those then you'll never succeed that's why we see the beauty of the first half of this chapter of galatians when paul is confronting peter they have this kind of relationship where paul is willing to speak the truth to peter i mean peter's like the first pope I'm just kidding, okay? I'm just kidding. Um, Peter was like the big guy. And Paul confronts him. He says, you're a hypocrite. You put that beer under the table when the Jews showed up. You don't want them to know what you're doing here. You're not free, Peter. You're still bound in a part of your life with religion. So they had this kind of relationship with one another, this opportunity Peter is begging, or Paul is begging Peter, take off the mask. Take off the mask. Just be who you are, because you're a son of the Most High God. No irredeemable harm can ever come to you. Even if the Jews were right in accusing you of whatever behavior it is, you can still find forgiveness. And you can still release that shame. And you can still live free. It's about a relationship. It's not about a set of rules and regulations. But but understanding what we get ourselves into when we become children of God is vitally important. Because Jesus actually frees us from ourselves. He frees us from from that that hypocrisy, that, that kind of imposter type stuff that we're doing to try to, we're so fragile. We want people to know who we think we ought to be rather than to know who we really are. And there's nothing like freedom when you're fully known and fully loved. And many of us rarely get that in this life. To be fully known, warts and all, all the dark closets, all the secrets, all the hateful thoughts, all, all the, the things that we ought to have done that we didn't do. When we're fully known and fully loved, there's a power and a freedom. That releases us to a kind of life that Jesus promised us when he said, "I came to you might have life full, meaningful, abundant, overflowing." That's why I came, so you can be fully known and feel fully loved." That's the beauty of the relationship side. That's the beauty of breaking out of the cage. Uh, I'm no longer going to exist in this religious cage. I'm no longer going to to pretend to be someone I'm not. I'm no longer, I'm not afraid of of the crap that's in my life. I'm not proud of it. I'm not going to boast about it. I'm not going to laugh about it. But I'm not going to hide it either. Because I'm, I'm living a lie. If the God of the Bible is who he says he is then not only does he know what's going on in your world, he actually knows a lot more than you do. <laughs> he knows you deeper and, and more intimate. He, he's aware of the, of the evil that exists far more than you are. And he just wants, he just wants you to be... Fully known so you can be fully loved. He he wants you to get out of this rules and rituals thing. And and he wants you to get to this side where you've got this vertical relationship. You've got these horizontal relationships where you're beginning to discover the beauty of what it's like to be free. Paul, when he finishes this passage, or this chapter, he says, Through the law... I died to the law so that I might live to God. So he's living the law, okay, living up to it, you know, and that kind of stuff. And all these regulations, 619 different regulations that come out of the first half of the Bible. All these kind of eating and rules and things and rituals that you have to do. And Paul said, I died to that, okay. It's no longer a part of me. In fact, he, he heard Jesus say, He came to fulfill all of that law. Jesus fulfilled that. Paul no longer feels obligated or responsible to that. So through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I've been crucified with Christ. Jesus died in our place. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by trust in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see that, the beauty of that relationship side, it's about trust. It's about talking and listening. It's about becoming known and learning to trust. That's the beauty of it. That's what Paul's experiencing. He said, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. So here's the bottom line here. The bottom line is, is that for those of us that are trapped on this side, and, and there's a, maybe a couple of signals for being trapped on this side. It's being captivated in, in that, that sense of, of, of rules. of I, I, I can do this and I can't do that, and I don't really have a good why for why I can and can't do that. And this ritual, I, I, I got to... I got to be there. I can't, you know, I can't miss church. I had a period of my life where I was in church 12 years straight. I bet no one can beat that. 12 years. I had the pens to prove it. I mean, I was one religious guy. But it's like, got to be there. Got to be there. I grew up in this environment where my mom, you know, I don't care, whatever condition she was in or I was in, we we got to some space called church so I could keep that string alive. You know, it was as bad then as some of you are on your, your phones with your, you know, keeping your different things alive. So, here's the deal. If, if you're still convinced that you can be a good cleaner, if you're convinced that, that you can make yourself presentable to God, then you're going to be stuck in the religious side. And you're going to spend your life in, in, in real frustration until you come to discover that you're not a good cleaner. Jesus came to do all that for us. He, he came to clean this up. He, he came to, to relieve us of all of that, that the burden and, and the guilt and the shame that exists there. And to move us in a different direction. All of a sudden when when we discover that we admit that we're not a good cleaner and and all these habits that we've been captivated to for some odd reason, it's kind of the the chemistry of grace when we understand, God, is at work deep in here. It's like those things no longer captivate me. And I don't fight with them because I shouldn't do them. I begin to move away from them because I don't want to do them anymore. I discover that I've exchanged kingdoms. Remember I said, you read Jesus' definition of the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom. In this religion side, I'm living in my own kingdom, and I think I'm in control. And, And when I give up that control and I move to the relationship side, I discover that I'm in a new kingdom and a new king. And someone's in charge of my life that's much better and smarter. And actually has dreams for me that are much better than the dreams that I had for myself. And I get capabilities that I never thought I had. And I can can overcome things that I never could on the other side. Simply because I've exchanged one kingdom for another. So this morning as we finish... It's a really powerful song that's about to start here. This song's about breaking out of your cage. It's about taking a next step. It's about refusing to live on this side and and getting into this side. And for for, for us, um, it's not just an emotional thing, not just listening to a cool song, but it's like, okay, what's walkable this morning? What walks out of this room into your life? maybe you don't have a relationship you don't have a horizontal relationship with anybody that's that that really you feel like you trust and and so your next step is i gotta figure that out i gotta look in that app i gotta i gotta react to some of the opportunities that are here even if it's as simple as volunteering at the fireworks tent many people have started those relationships just you know taking explosives and moving from one thing to the next you know um, you got to do something. Or, or maybe it's, it's the vertical relationship, and, and maybe it's this moment of saying, I don't even know what that is. I don't even know how to get it. I don't know what it's like. We'd like to help. We, we can point you in some directions. We, we can help you discover what it's like to get your fingerprints on the Bible and, and find the God who wants you to feel totally known and totally loved but you gotta break out of the cage yourself you gotta take that step let's pray Father in this past hour um, it's like a a little cocoon Um, it's like a little space that uh, of safety uh, and we're about to break out of this cocoon we're about to go back out into that thing we call life have to deal with the fact that there's not enough money in our bank account or that I'm estranged from my sibling or my parents drive me crazy or my spouse is not what I want them to be or I hate my job, or I hate my neighbors, I hate myself. Father, there's so many things that exist outside of this bubble. But if we do, if we do break out of the cage, Father, give us the courage to believe that you might be on the other side, that you might be ready, willing, and available and if there, there would be other people as well, people who are just like me, who are deceived into thinking that we could clean ourselves up and make ourselves presentable to God. And, and we're just tired. We're tired of that treadmill. And we want off. Father, give us the courage to believe that we could be fully known and fully loved. We ask these things in Jesus' name.